0: the story of a little boy in search of courage and the wise old man who helped him find it. Steve Hartman is on the road. It is the tallest 20 inches in sports. The distance between a diving board and the surface of the water can feel like half a body length, especially when it's half your body length, which is why all summer long, four-year-old Dylan Stick has been cheating the system, gradually lowering himself into the water like a fragile egg. He had no interest in it. His mom, ever, Marla. You don't want to pressure him. Right, right. We were just saying, hey, you want to give it a shot? You want to give it a try? And he was no way.
1: Right. He wasn't interested.
0: (laughs) Enter 95-year-old Daniel Biss. He drafted me. Daniel was in the Air Force during World War II in Korea. Radio operator. He knows a thing or two about fear and bravery. So when he saw this neighborhood kid at a family pool party in Canton, Ohio, and heard everyone trying to coax him off the board, He just wouldn't go. (laughs) He knew exactly what Dylan Uh, needed. Just needed some convincing, I guess. I guess he did. So I was going to try anyway. Are you videoing this? So Daniel borrowed a swimsuit and with cane in hand, stepped up to set the example. This is a miracle! This is a miracle, one kid yelled, as if Lazarus himself had risen up to the springboard. And it did feel that way. The great grandfather hadn't been on a diving board in 50 years, and yet there he stood, ready and willing to teach a lesson in courage, which almost turned into a lesson in first aid. Everyone kind of like held their breath and got real nervous, like, oh, was this a bad idea? Well, I was was up to that far. I figured I may as well go through with it. (laughs) And so, at the age of 95, he dove for Dylan. Prettiest dive I've ever seen. No, no, no. I could have done better. (laughs) Actually, he really couldn't have done better because shortly after Daniel took his last jump off a diving board, Dylan took his first. Yeah! It was really neat that that
2: inspired him to do it. It was a neat moment.
0: (laughs) This all happened last month, and today Dylan jumps no problem. Hopefully, his courage will now inspire you with whatever leap you need to make. Steve Hartman, on the road, in Canton, Ohio.
1: What an amazing story, right? I mean, that's been us. Maybe that's you in this moment right now. You're like on the edge of that diving board, like, all right, here's an opportunity before you. Do I take the leap or not? A lot of times, it takes someone else who comes along Like the gentleman there who said, eh, I'll do it. Someone with the wisdom, the experience, that willingness just to step off that diving board. And these are threshold moments in our life. A threshold in a house or in the church here is a transition in flooring. It changes from one room or space or one uh, surface to another. And we stand on one side of a threshold or on the edge of the diving board looking at what is possible, what's in that next room, that next space, but it takes a step in order to go across the threshold or off the diving board. Thresholds require faith. Thresholds, the decisions that are made at them, can really make or break the vision or desire that is before us. This week I was listening to someone share And I love the words that came from Pastor Pete Hughes. He shared these words, and it's a little bit longer, so stay with me with this. He said, Threshold moments are equally beautiful and terrifying. They have the capacity to make or break the vision as you stand at the cusp of everything you've ever dared to hope for. You survey the land that now lies before you, your eyes tracing the intricate shapes that set along the horizon too good to imagine. This is what has been stirring for so long. This has been the cry of your heart for years, hidden deep down, but now here it is. That first glimpse of a dream-turned-reality within the reach right before you. As you stand there with everything you've dreamed about, this cocktail of excitement and fear rising in equal measure, that other voice kicks in, the one that gently tells you to step back from that threshold. It whispers to you that passing through that door will have its cost. It's too good to be true. Or even worse, what lies in front of you is all a mirage, and you'd be foolish to walk through it. It will disappear as soon as you enter. It's better to survey the land from the doorway, to distance yourself from it, just in case. To stand at the threshold and watch. It's better to quietly let the dream die now before sacrifices are made, bridges are burned. There's no safe way back. Threshold moments have power. Many see them as the end of a long journey. They finally glimpse at what their heart has longed for. They stop exhausted and find themselves settling in the doorway. To all those hopeful never actually crossing through or taking hold of it. Or maybe out of exhaustion, they find contentment in the reasoning that they made it this far. They can see it from a distance. But the truth is that these special moments are just the start of the adventure. They're only just the beginning. So step in. Take courage. Move forward. You've been called for such a time as this. And I love these words, is that, as I shared a couple weeks ago, is that you have been called to a particular time and a particular place in history for a particular purpose. And we stand at this threshold often saying, I wonder if this is it, but there's risk. There's always risk. And this is where faith enters the picture. This is where moving forward in faith is essential. It calls us to step in, to take courage, to move forward. I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. It's near the end of the scripture the New Testament. I'll give you a moment to find it. It'll also be on the screen here. This is what's known as uh, the Hall of Faith or the Faith chapter. This is a picture of not only what faith is, but it's action-driven. It's examples of those who have walked in faith. So first 1, the, the author gives a definition of what faith is, and we're going to pause here for a moment. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So let's go back here. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. All right, so first we need to identify what or who we put our hope in. See, we've put our hope and faith in systems or people or a or whatever it may be, and we've been let down. So for many, it's hard to have faith because of this cloud that just follows, that's present there. But what the author is referring to is that this hope is Jesus. That this hope that he's gonna refer to here again in a short while is a hope that has proved himself again and again. That God is faithful, that he has made promises, and his promises have been fulfilled. And it's just assurance about what we do not see. So you can't have this, like, faith and then understand everything that's right before you. It's not faith. Faith is that unknown over the threshold or, like, what's going to happen when I jump into that pool? What the little boy struggled with and probably what that guy was thinking about when he was face down there for a moment in the pool. What's going to happen? I have faith that someone's going to come get me, right? The author continues on and says, this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. And by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God has taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So the author is starting to reference these individuals who are, their stories are contained within the Old Testament. But verse 6 here, he says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Talk about an absolute statement there, right? Is that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So That's one of these gut checks. Like, oh, man. I want to please God, but I have a whole lot of doubt in me. But he continues on by saying this, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So I want you to catch this too, is that you may have just heard like, well, I have doubt in me. Does that make me bad? No, 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 no. Catch that. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith building is not a one step and I'm there. Faith is a process. It is a step, and a step, and a step, and then sometimes it's like, oh, and then it's a step, and a step. It's a building process. Those who earnestly seek him. And the author continues on by saying, you know, verse 7, he gives the example of, by faith, Noah built an ark. Abraham, or Abraham left the land. He offered his son. Jacob blessed Joseph's sons. Moses left Egypt. Rahab helped the spies. He continues to give these examples of people throughout time, these stories we can read about of people who stepped out in faith and walked in faith. We'll pick up in verse 32 where he continues on. He says, And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions. Verse 34 quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by sword. I mean, what you're going through, that's like, you know, it's tough, but you're still here, right? I mean, you haven't faced death by stoning or sawed in two or killed by the sword. It may feel like that, but it goes on and he keeps talking about this persecution and mistreatment. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. So this was not a rosy picture painted right here of Yep, they believed in the coming Messiah, and everything was perfect for them. Which is the picture we paint and we believe as Christians often. I just need to follow Jesus, and my life will be perfect. Nope. Nope. We face hardship and trials and persecution and hardships like this. But in verse 39, it says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So what in the world does that mean? See, all these individuals, we see stories in the Old Testament, their faith was forward pointing to the coming Messiah. They said, Jesus is coming. We're putting our faith, we're living out our life, we're taking these steps of faith, these threshold moments, whatever these decisions are, because God is calling us forward, And we're pointing towards the coming Messiah. That's Jesus. But we, we look back that Jesus came. He fulfilled the promises of God. That Jesus, his words were true. That he has made these promises, these blessings put forth. And so we look back at what Jesus has fulfilled. And we still put our trust in the same Messiah. This is what the author is getting at there. And he's saying we have Jesus. And not only do we have Jesus, we have the Spirit of God who transforms us, who challenges us, who convicts us, who changes us, who encourages us, who sends us where to go. See, faith is ultimately about the glory of God and the good of others as we walk it out. But it takes something from us as followers of Jesus. If you go back a chapter in Hebrews to chapter 10, verse 23, and 24 it says this, this word of perseverance in here. This call of, to persevere. Verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. This hope, again, is Jesus. For he who promised us is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So let us hold on to this hope, this hope of Jesus. And we want to encourage others This is the importance of community and connection. It's the importance of having conversation with one another. It's the importance of gathering together. It's the importance of hearing things like we heard this morning about Jacob. It's the importance of hearing things that we're going to hear in just a short while from someone else who will share a testimony. It's this encouragement that, yeah, this hope. is faithful. It's not about me fixing everything, but I put my faith in God who is faithful. This is the perseverance we walk in. To persevere is not easy, but perseverance is this call when it comes to faith. It's a surrender, but we put our faith and our trust in God. And I want to give you three words to be reminded when you are struggling in faith: if I should take that step or not. These three things about God: it's about God's presence, it's about God's power, and it's about God's provision. I continually go back to these things again and again, when I doubt and struggle and I question faith, it's like this like, okay, it's God's presence and power and provision. And just real quick, I'll give you snapshots of a couple of verses of what I mean about God. His presence, first of all, if you go to the next slide, please. this There we go. All right His presence, God's presence. The psalmist says, "Where can I go from your spirit?" Where can I flee from your presence? It's almost like, you are everywhere I go. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, not because you're strong and wonderful and perfect and have it all together, but rather, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. These are the words from scripture. So not only do we have the presence of God, but the power of God as well. These scriptures about the power of God go back here and then it's going to be up there in a second. Yep, see every time I look back it goes. <laughs> Eric's messing with me today. <laughs> Philippians 4. I can do all this or all things through him who gives me strength. There's a the power. Not my own power, but God's power. Acts 1:8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, not about what I can do, but about the power of God. And then finally, it's God's provision from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 God is one who provides for us and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need 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 you will abound in every good work we have lots of ones i have lots of ones god may see them not as a need i like to disagree at times but it's it's about god's provision 2 Peter 1.3 says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. See, there's the reality of who God is and what God knows and and God's plan for me, for you, for us. And like I have my list. It's like I've got something more. Persevere. Move forward in faith. Take that step off that, over that threshold, off that diving board, and move forward because of who God is, resting in his presence and power and provision. This is what faith is. It's faith beyond myself. And this is a place that I am confident many of you, if not all of us, are at. We're on that diving board. Whew. All right, it's secure, there's what was, there's what's possible. As we stand on that diving board, there's parts of us that's just like, jump, 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 trust, trust. But Then there's also that fear of like, well, it's secure and safe. And I love that we're not just jumping into water all by ourselves. Because I think of this video, how I assume the dad was there, ready to catch his boy. Or how those family members were around that older gentleman as he jumped in. We so often feel like we're just jumping in the pool by ourselves and we don't know how to swim. It's Not the case. There's a father who provides, who's present, who's powerful. They're waiting for us. And we take those steps. And so you may be standing at that threshold and saying, all right, God, what is it you call me to do? And we, too, as a church, are at a threshold. This is what we've been talking about in this forward initiative, Is we've been standing here going like, all right, ready. It's about stepping in. And we want to be a church that continues to move forward, walking with God in step with God, knowing that he's there with us. And that's the intentionality, as I've been saying, of that one, of praying for that individual, walking with that individual who may not be walking with Jesus. Again, not as a project, because you sincerely love this person. You love this human being. And then also, too, this place and space that we can continue to care for one another and others. And ministry can take place here and beyond. And last week, we had all of these sitting on the seats And I invite you to take one if you don't have one. There's some by the doors in the back. There's some on the table right there. And there's some on the shelf directly out these doors by the wall. Take one of these. You can read all about the heart behind this, the process with this, why we're doing things. But most importantly, there's opportunity to grow. There's devotions and prayers and and reading to do together. And two, as we take a step forward in faith, I want to invite you, to continue to engage in the conversation with us. Uh, I've invited, uh, last week we invited uh, three steps. is prayer and participation and commitment. And this is the the number of weeks that we're in, is we want to continue to pray, continue to participate and commit. And another way that you can participate is to come and further hear about what we're doing as a church. These are, there's four more vision gatherings that are happening. We did four this last week. And in my opinion, in the conversations that I had, I think they went pretty well. They were good. There was great questions, hard questions, um, great times of sharing in them. And I want to invite you, if you have not come to a vision gathering, to please come to a vision gathering. We have four more. You can hang around after service here, or run across the street, grab a bite to eat, whatever, and then come back. 1130, child care will be provided. We're going to meet right here. 630 tonight, we're coming back in the sanctuary. We're going to hang out in here. And then on Tuesday, we'll be downtown at the Union across from Grand River at 5.30 and 7. So I encourage you to pick one of those and come and participate in what uh, we're talking about here and fill in a little bit more detail. And so today, as a church and as individuals, we're like that little boy, we're like that older gentleman. We think of a passage that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians where he said we live by faith, not by sight. It's much easier to live by sight because we think we understand what's before us. But God calls us to live by faith. I want to do that personally. I want our church to walk in faith. And it's scary because control is not there, right? But we follow after the one who has control. We perceive that we have control in our life. All the time. But it takes moments. I think of a conversation I had this week with someone who has been following Jesus his entire life. Just about his entire life. He said, it wasn't until recently that I really understood what it meant to walk in faith. When the situation unfolded, it was this moment where I had to completely surrender to God. So personally, where is that surrender? Where is that step of faith? corporately together as a church where is that surrender and faith and I ask that you would process this this week but also continue to process it in the the coming moments here as we hear a testimony and then as we hear a song together so would you take a look at this testimony
2: my name is Janine souls and I've been attending Family Bible Church for 28 years well 10 years ago I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I remember going up to the mic and telling the congregation that I'd been diagnosed and I wanted them to start praying for me and that I had faith that God was going to heal me. Um, even though my sister had just passed away two years ago, previously, um, from breast cancer. So it was pretty scary at that time, but I just had total faith that there was power in prayer. There were a lot of times when people would ask me how I was doing, or they would come up and tell me that they were praying for me. Um, So that was really, really powerful to me, um, just knowing that people were praying not just my breast cancer, but it's also, you know, what we went through with Randy. Obviously, the big impact was when Randy had a stroke, um, and I reached out to, actually, I reached out to Chris, not knowing that the youth pastor and John were also there when I reached out to Chris, and and just feeling the power of our whole church congregation praying for him. Um, That was really, really powerful. Um, When he had a stroke, he um, was paralyzed on one side when it first took place that evening Um, by the time he got to the hospital he was totally paralyzed and he was unconscious Um, they had to intubate him Um, and i just remember i mean i broke down crying so many times and got on my knees and prayed and knowing that there were other people praying at that particular time was really really powerful I remember that night when i got home i walked into our bedroom and this was the picture that i saw i looked at that picture and i just said god you know those baby girls need their papa um you know they need him to be whole they need him to be healthy they need him to be um able to play with him and throw them up in the air and that was you know, that was my prayer. And I said, God, I know that you've got plans in this. You know, they may not be the plans we want, but this is, this is my prayer. And the next morning going to um, the hospital and asking the nurse how Randy had done that night, cause he was still intubated. And she said, he's squeezing my fingers. He's moving his toes. I mean, it was a miracle. I mean, there's no other explanation for it. And I remember asking the doctor, um, in the ICU that ne- next day, saying, you know, you know, I'm giving God all the praise because there's no other explanation for it. And he said, you know what? He said there are times when we have to say it's a high, higher power because we can't explain it either. We don't live in a perfect world. Um, sin created that imperfection, and because the Bible is telling us that, you know what? We don't have to have our hope here. We have to have our hope with God. And sometimes the answer to our prayer is yes, and sometimes the answer to our prayer is no. I know where I'm gonna be. Um, Even when I had my breast cancer and I was anxious about that. Um, And I remember one night crying and, and talking to God about how I wanted to be here. I wanted to watch my girls get married and Matthew get married. Um, I wanted to be able to see my grandkids because I was 50 at the time, so it wasn't, none of that had transpired at that point. Um, and I remember having that conversation with them, and I went, finally, I said, okay, God, it's not my will, it's yours. Um, because we don't get to say what's going to happen to us or what's not going to happen to us. But knowing that God is in control, even in this crazy world that we live in, um, is huge because to know that I'm, I'm in control of everything. I want him to be in control because he sees a bigger picture. He knows exactly what's gonna happen to our tomorrows. And um, he knows what's happened in our past as well. So he's there to guide us and direct us. And I'm grateful for that. From both of us, I just want to thank FBC for all of your prayers um, during this difficult time. Um, I really, truly don't believe that Randy would be here if it weren't for your prayers and the power of prayer. And from our heart, I want to just tell you thank you so much because it means the world to us, knowing that you are a praying family to us. Amen. <clears throat>